on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orient from each end Lay an Orient from each end Hello again and welcome to the Orient Hour. I'm Steve Tung. We've got a packed and very positive programme, I'm pleased to say. And for the first time in a good while, I'm joined by both Trevor Singfield. How are you, Trevor? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you, Steve. Very good indeed. Good. And Lee Boyce, welcome again. You all right? Hello, Steve. Yeah, all good. Good. Well, last time, I think the three of us were together... I make it, it was June, and we were talking about this new manager, Kenny Jackett, whose appointment seemed to have galvanised everyone, and we were wondering who would he be able to sign, how quickly could he get a, a largely new team playing together, and what would the style of play be? Well, we've got the uh, answers to most of those now, so we'll try and come up with some general conclusions later on, after specifically discussing first, of course, the FA Cup, that emphatic victory over Tranmere, and the third round draw taking us to Stoke, which was met with a bit of initial disappointment, I think, and then uh, people now seem to be warming to it. And then, obviously, back to the league, we'll consider last night's uh, very enjoyable Swindon Town game. We'll get the thoughts of Kenny Jackett and Dave Victor. And round about half-time in the programme, our special interview, we'll hear from a recent XO. It's good old Charlie Lee, National League title winner with us, who has just announced his retirement because of injury. Uh, But he has some very good things to say about the Orient and his two years with us. And finally, of course, we'll look ahead to Saturday's league game, a fourth home game in a row, if you count the old... uh, Uh, Papa John's and both the cup competitions Crawley coming on Saturday and then uh, we mustn't forget Sunday's FA Youth Cup game Uh, a really tough assignment away to Chelsea on that plus anything else we can pack into your Orient Hour like um, Smith and Drynan the best striking partnership since well who you you choose on that one So let's begin with the FA Cup, Uh, not a subject that uh, Orient followers are very familiar with normally by the second week of December, let alone January, Uh, but that's what it is, Orient 4, Tranmere Rovers 0. Trevor, you were glad to be there, weren't you? Yeah, um, my uh, original plans went uh, a little bit south, or whatever you like, but um, yeah, so I turned up there uh, with Liam after having a nice bite to eat down a high road, so we were uh, fully prepared for the game which is um, normally when you play Tranmere, you expect a little bit more because obviously my connections from uh, the Northwest and yeah, I was very, very disappointed at the fight they put up, but maybe we were just too good on the day for them in, in, in virtually every department. I thought, yeah, they, I, mean, I can't remember Vigor who actually making a save, to be honest. Tell us, tell us what your friend and Tranmere supporter said when, uh, when, when he heard the draw. 
<coughs> what the uh, the original draw. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things. We always meet up for the league games. So um, the um, the cup games, depending on if we've got some decent travel, but the, the tickets were sky high. So plus meeting up in what fortnight's time, uh, we decided that uh, they wouldn't come down and. Uh, Bit of radio silence. Uh, I only heard from him on Monday night um, when he said, oh, "Stoke, you've got Stoke." Like, um, but you know, we, we we're grown men. We don't sort of catcall each other. And uh, no. but no, it, I think being silent is, is better because he knows what we're thinking, doesn't he? I thought he told you they had a bye when he, when he heard the draw. Well, that was his original thing, yeah. Because I because I nerved him. I said, "Who we got?" Like, you know, and he said, "Oh, yeah." But there, no, they they. They're not scoring goals. They didn't look like scoring goals, did they? Really, in in the whole game. So, but yeah. But on on the, on the other note, he, he did enjoy your uh, little uh, cameo on the football world phoning with Dot and and uh, Tim Vickery. That's uh, he, he, my my Tramere friend. He, he got in touch with me about when you were uh, chatting to them guys. Oh right, yeah. That was uh, that was promoting the new book. That's uh, yes. The um, I can't even remember what it's called now. But Tom uh, Tim Vickery, the uh, BBC South American man, who does a, a very good podcast. Yes, with Dot. So Lee, um, you saw the goals. Um, all these goals flying in. We're getting a bit mixed up. But the four goals against <laughs> Tranmere. What did you make of those? I thought they were. Uh, I, I was just saying to you just now. Like listening to the commentary uh, on the highlights. And I thought the, uh, the commentator was disrespectful to us. I thought, like, he's saying about Tranmere, like, bad marking. I thought our goals were, were, were brilliant. I thought some of, the, some of the way we just opened them up and moved the ball around, I thought it was absolutely fantastic to watch. It could have been nice if I said, give us a bit of credit for that. The first one, I mean, it's a very nice ball by Hector, wasn't it, who actually made the fourth as well, really? Yeah, I mean, Hector's, I think he had a slow start, didn't he, the season, but he's, uh, he's made that his own position, his own now, and he's really kicking on and showing why he's one of the first names on the team sheet. And, and the crosses are going in from, from James and Archibald in particular, which is obviously what you want from your wing-backs. Well, that's what we've missed in it for the last few years, isn't it? That, that ball coming out from out wide from the uh, wing-backs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're lovely. I mean, Archibald seems to have, after the initial, uh, not criticism, but like people sort of moaning about the whole, here we go, a game player's out of position. He seems to have fitted right in well with that position. So, yeah, it's a nice, nice getting that ball in that box and it's showing. One thing with that, Lee, though, in the home games, Archibald, it seems to just be on the halfway line. The defending is... He's, he's not defending at home. I mean, he, the only defending he does do at wing-back is, is the away games where we have been caught out coming across defenders and things like that. But at home, he's like, a, he's like another midfielder there, full stop. I mean, last night he, against Swindon, he was barely in our 18-yard box defending. And that's a credit to the rest of the team, isn't it, really? Definitely. He would have had to learn that, wouldn't he? I'm presuming, I, I don't know that in his career, previous career, he have had much experience of wing-back at all. So he's, he's learning a, a new part of the game, the defensive side as a wing-back, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what it's all about, isn't it? Continue to learn like, and make yourself better. But, uh, yeah, he certainly added something to it... Uh, to his game by playing there, and uh, we, we were getting the benefits from it. Well, our new club historian, Davis Watson, uh, says it's our biggest FA Cup win since winning 6-1 against who? Seven years ago? 2015, 4-1 oh, up at half-time. Staines Town, well done. Yes, non-league Staines. Ollie Palmer a couple, Dean Cox a couple. Uh, so, literally the, the best for years, that 4-0. Uh, that 
And the, the formation overall, Lee, uh, it really does seem to be working. And, and it, it started off really as a sort of fourth, sorry, as a three-four-three. Three. But now that Dan Kemp has moved back, are, are we getting the best out of Dan Kemp in that slightly more withdrawn position? Yeah, I mean, I've said from the start of the season, Dan Kemp, for me, plays behind the two forwards. And uh, you build a team around Dan Kemp in that position. And like I said, we're seeing the benefits from uh, Drynan moving in alongside Smith. Uh, like I said, them two, you, you just think they're going to score all the time. And uh, with Hector, like sort of, uh, uh, and, and Craig Clay holding in positions. So the team's changed from how it started off in the season, but it's just looked like it's getting better and better. Yeah, and uh, Paul Smith to come back in again, we hope, has uh, had a bad run with injuries. But um, um, one, of the, one of the possibilities early on when we didn't know much about Harry Smith was it might be Drynan and, and Paul Smith, the sort of big man, little man. And, and Paul Smith had, had shown up quite well. I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he, he, he looked uh, decent when he's had the chance. He's just had this bad run of injuries. Well, he, he come with that, uh, the reputation of being a, a, a player who can, who can cause problems, who, who's quick and can score goals. But uh, I, I don't know. Like where he gets in this side now. I mean, it's nice because you like, like I said like the other week. I said like I like it. I like to see two formations where you can change a formation in in during the game, and it's starting to look at the bench is now very strong, and uh, yeah, you can change you can change things around if it ain't going right during the game. And Trevor, last word on Tranmere because of course uh, Saturday week uh, we're up there again. Um, they must play better than that, mustn't they? But I believe it was their full strength side virtually for the cup game. Yeah, I think there was only one change by all accounts. But yeah, let's like they play like that again. I mean, that give me a great weekend that will. So um, no, they've had trouble scoring goals all season, haven't they? So mm. as long as we defend properly, you, you were you were back orient. We we have been scoring away. Don't let's not forget we have sort of got cut the twos and threes but we've just give the silly mistakes away so yeah I'm looking forward to it and hopefully we uh, we do the same we have had some we, we normally do well at Tranmere as well it's, it's a decent decent hunting ground for the O's you're obviously looking forward to it already so the draw for the third round was made on Monday evening David Seaman pulled us out to play away to Stoke City championship side the initial feeling Lee was I right that it was a bit of a disappointment to some yeah, I mean, we was at, uh, at one of our, uh, our mates' weddings and so we was watching it like, in the bar down there and I think half people were happy and, and the other half were very disappointed. But, uh, yes, it is what it is, isn't it? Trevor, you were a bit more pos- positive about it. I think once you'd had some time to think, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, the way I look at the, the cup draw is... Look, if you don't get one of the five, six, seven, which everybody may or may not want for whatever reason... You all want the, the big one for the money for the club, and it's look, seven years since you get to the third round, and okay, Stoke come out. But then you look, top six, championship, and like Orient Braces, he put on Twitter, proper football city, new ground, Titanic plum porter. In the third round of the cup, don't understand all the moaning, and, and, and you have to agree with that. That when this is on a personal thing, when the draw comes out, you want somewhere you haven't been. And then after that, it's a new ground. And it, it, look, it's a day out. I mean, look, you can be a, a once-in-a-decade-away fan that wants to go to Man U or whatever. Um, or you can you want your, your London derbies against your West Ham's and Chelsea's. But previous experience of these big cup games, I mean, I think Everton probably sticks back one of the best ones I've been to. The Arsenal one, the replay was horrendous. So this is that's on a personal personal note that 
I think Stoke would be quite good. As long as it's 3pm on a Saturday, I'd be very disappointed if it was moved to a Sunday, to be honest. Because, and like, I think you, you, you put on the, on the group, they'd be prone to make changes. We've got a chance. Because think where the previous cut run, when we ended up at Arsenal, started at Norwich. Then we went to Swansea. You know, they, it's a winnable game if we take it seriously. They may not. And, you know, like putting 11 different players out for Stokes perfected, they take them half hour, 40 minutes to get to know each other. So bring it on, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's the point. Um, I mean, one of the best things about our cup run for me so far, apart from the obvious results, is we've played our strongest team both times. We've known that Millwall didn't want uh, Alex Mitchell cup-tied, which is fair enough when a player's on loan. But these championship teams, as you say, they they can make an awful lot of changes. Um, Whoever they're playing, really, I, I actually looked up at Stoke last year they had what what would be regarded as a plum tie by many of their fans. Home to Leicester, Premier League opposition, middle a bit of a Midlands derby, um, and they still made five changes from the previous league game, and they got beaten four 0 on their own ground, which is not going to do them much good either. So, uh, as you say, let's let's give it a go, play our first team again, plenty of support up there, and 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 make some noise. Um, and it is a new ground, Lee, uh, because um, Stoke went there in '97. Apparently, the O's haven't been there since five years before that so new ground for everybody really yes uh, like Trev said that's what you want in a cup game isn't it a new ground but uh, yeah I can't believe it's been that long but 87 is a one isn't it remember, remember 87 Go on, tell us about 87. Was it 87, wasn't no, it? No, no, it's the... 88? The, the league game? Yeah, league cup game. League cup, yes. League cup. 80 supporters we took, didn't we? And uh, Comfort had something to do with it, didn't he? Uh, what was it? One nil. We lost the hu- we lost the first home, home leg. Yeah. It was when there were two legs. We lost the home leg, 2-1. Went up there and I got mixed up watching all the penalties on the highlights, but we scored from a penalty. It finished 2-1. Yeah. Because Comfort got the winner on the night, that's and it. so it went Last to penalties. Minute, it? That's Injury right. time, wasn't it? He got the winner. Right, on that's the night. right. Yes, took it to uh, to extra t- extra time. Got one on penalties. Uh, I, there were eighty fans. There were there. Did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. penalties, <laughs> weren't it? We missed our first two. They scored that's their right. first yes, two. Some very very. Then we scored penalties. three, and they missed three. <laughs> Peter Wells kept one or two out. Bless him. It's, uh, I think that one's a bit of a badge of honour amongst uh, the older older fans because it, like, it was a bit. Near the mark, coming out the ground by all accounts. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's a bit hostile in the old days, Stoke? Well, yeah, I mean, it, where we are in the league game, we took the lead and we lost late on. That was the 92 season, and uh, I think they got two late goals. And when they started doing all that Delilah lark, it, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it's, it's loud, it's good. Um, but I say, going back to Stoke with what you said about it's Leicester, I mean, them getting us, you would think, oh, we're in the fourth round. And all of a sudden, you get another small team in the fourth. You get to the fifth round, you start dreaming because they went to Wembley, didn't they, in, in recent yeah, yeah. years? They've been the to, yeah, to the final. new Wembley, so they, they know what it's all about. Yeah. And as far as their own supporters are concerned, uh, there could still be a bit of apathy, which is the other thing you find among the, the bigger teams, a bit, a bit of apathy on the game. They have to pay probably extra, the season ticket holders and stuff. Um, I mean, they had 22,000, I think, for their last home game. So it's a, it's, it's a good ground. It's, um, it's, it can be a noisy ground. I should warn everyone, it's a very cold ground. Um, obviously, being a new ground, it's all-seater and it's got the four, the four roofs. But I think it's one of those where they've left a lot of space in between each stand and the wind comes through those gaps and absolutely howls round so uh, warning to wrap up warm as Trevor says we don't know whether it's um, Saturday or Sunday yet because of course Port Vale are at home as well which is a complication 
Uh, what normally happens is the TV people take a few days to sort out which games they want. And I imagine Port Vale at home to Brentford, now a Premier League team, could be one they're interested in. So that could move anywhere. Um, and so it, it, we might be Saturday or Sunday, uh, three o'clock. I'm sure the club uh, will let us know as soon as possible. And uh, look out for that date and, and ticket news on the website. But best cup run for some years. So, uh, so let's keep it going. Now, the priority, of course, this season is the league. And after slipping up at Northampton, which kept us down in eighth place, uh, Swindon came to E10 last night with nearly a thousand of their supporters. And they must have enjoyed their away trips last year. Did you notice their away record before last night? It was extraordinary. Played nine, won seven and drawn the other two. They hadn't lost away all season when their home record was actually quite moderate. But um, so they conceded to uh, Aaron Drynan early on, but then equalised with a, that swift counter-attack and uh, possible offside, hard to tell for us. And when they forced a couple of chances early at start of the second half, uh, um, I was getting a little bit concerned um, and their supporters were quite noisy and optimistic at that stage, I imagine, weren't they? Well, that's it. I mean, I, I was glad that we were kicking towards the uh, south stand in the second half because uh, I don't like when they, there's a, a large element of away fans. They can get behind a team for corners, throws and all that down there. But yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sort of comfortable until we were 3-1. Possibly the fourth. We have a little joke where we see it four and it's safe. <laughs> um, we've all been watching far too long, haven't we, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, Lee, those those goals again, I mean, as we were saying, we talked about the crosses. One thing about the crosses, we, we don't put a lot of high cross. Well, we do put a lot of high crosses in, but we don't score from many of them. It's not Harry Smith leaping at the far post and heading them in, is it? And the, the ones that are going in are those lovely low crosses. Yeah, I mean, like so you're putting a ball in a box, I mean, but with, with Smith as well, he, he follows up. He follows up everything, doesn't he? I mean, I think Trinan's had a few times this season where he's had to, the, the keeper's ball up a save and, and, and Smith followed him. But yeah, yep. the cross is over. That first one, the ball from uh, Oji to start with, crossfield yeah. to James was was oh, perfect. Yeah, a real Dan Happy pass. He's he's obviously been uh, been following him in in training. And Harry Smith apparently said he broke his hand in the first ten minutes. He actually made so little fuss. I didn't notice. Did you notice that? No, I only read it on the website. <laughs> Extraordinary. As well. And the other thing he said in his uh, in his after match interview was that. Uh, He'd nearly missed the kickoff because he had problems on the train getting there, trees on the line and all sorts. So that obviously didn't harm him either. Um, but nice to see also that he was uh, that he was bigging up uh, Drynan. We'll, we'll talk about the, the partnership later anyway. But uh, let's get the manager's assessment on it and then um, discuss what we make of, of, of his comments. Uh, here is Kenny Jacket with Dave Victor. Well, Kenny, congratulations. That was a performance to be proud of. Yeah, it was a big win for us. Um, you know, we were, we were delighted with that. Um, I thought it was two good teams. I think Swindon are a good side, but, but so are we. But, you know, I fully expect both to be competing at the top end of the division. Good to say that, uh, um, you know, our, our finishing was excellent tonight and we got, the, we got the goals at good times. Disappointed with the goal that we conceded because we did need to get into um, half-time at 1-0 up and, you know, suspicion of, of offside in that one in the break. But, but, but similarly... You can't stop everything, and, and the second half there, you know, we started with a little bit more intent, I did think, and, and um, certainly finished those chances with some very, very good balls in. As you say, the quality of the assists was outstanding. So too with the finishes, Aaron Dwynan and Harry Smith. Yeah, they've uh, you know formed a good partnership, but they'll be the first two to say you know they've got a side behind them that are, that are providing them with a good service. And you know, as 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 any forward, you are only as good as the service that you get. 
Absolutely, and uh, Craig Clay making his 200th appearance. Yeah, congratulations to Craig. You know, a little presentation. The chairman's over, and um, you know, great game for him to see Nigel. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm pleased with that for him to achieve. You know, the 200 games and then get a presentation from the chairman before the game. Um, it's, it's it's touches like that that uh, make it the club that it is. So you know, congratulations to Craig. It really was a team performance. Darren Prattley in the heart of that one, but uh, it was a late call-up. But what's the news regarding Hector Cipriano? Yeah, he felt his his hamstring in the in the warm-up, and even at ten to three, was still sort of in two minds, if you like. But I, I didn't think you can take a chance when you're feeling your hamstring like that, and and it would have just put me one substitution down, and then possibly him out for a lot longer. So you know, we made the late change. We had Darren on the bench, and um, uh, unfortunately he missed it. But but we hope it isn't too bad, and um, we you know we've caught it before it really developed the wing backs had excellent games uh, Tom James and Theo Archibald is growing into that position isn't he yeah he is I mean he has the the athleticism and, and he has the power and that's um, you know good things to do and as you say you know some good service today as well which uh, gave our you know our forward players something to attack and talking about attacks, Swindon are good up front and the O's defence and the rear guard work so hard yeah I thought it was two good teams I think Swindon are a good side you know I think for Ben he's done a fantastic job and they'll they'll be looking to try to get back up to League One which is where they were last year and you know I fully expect them uh, to be challenging they're a good team the form at Brisbane Road has been impressive it's another home match on Saturday with Crawley here yeah we have to turn over quickly make sure we don't have any problems in the warm up like we did today I know these things happen but our preparation between now and then is is absolutely vital collectively and individually and we have to make sure that you know with the let's say the, the, the third game and, and to some of our players the fourth game where you go Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday you know this one we don't have any, any problems and we can keep into our rhythm and make sure our full energy so our preparation you know both physically and ta- tactically between now and Saturday is a big one because you know we, we, we want to keep pushing for the you know the, 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 the top part of the league and competing there and making sure that you know the top boys don't get away from us that's our ambition and it'll be hard work to do that but you know our preparation now between uh, uh, now and Saturday is going to be key in terms of what we do Is it too early to talk about Hector and Saturday? Yeah I really hope he's okay um, I would think by sort of Friday morning he shouldn't be he shouldn't be too far away that's my estimation I do think that uh, it was a little bit of tightness um, he's an athletic lad though his, his, his running is fantastic and, and it's not a surprise to me because you know, he hasn't played there's quite a number of our players haven't played for a full season and that's not easy to do. You know, if you're looking at the likes of OG Mitchell, you know, Kiprianu, they haven't played from start to finish necessarily. And, and that can catch up on your body. And from time to time, you do need a break. And, and for Hector to step out tonight won't do him any good. But I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, everybody can be fit, including Hector for Saturday. Is Craig Clay OK? Because you know he's had an ankle problem recently. Yeah, he has. But, you know, he, he, he came off on Saturday is a little bit of a precaution as well I didn't think it was too bad had, had, it, be, you know, had it been sort of closer at the time or we not have an experienced player in Darren Prattley to put on and maybe would have kept him on so I was optimistic that it would be okay for tonight I certainly hope now he can put that to, uh, to one side because it's been a very consistent player for us Craig Strong bench, real competition for Saturday Yeah definitely and we're going to need to use that I think on Saturday because you know the players have played a high amount of games and uh, you know we'll need our full energy against Crawley on Saturday well, good luck thanks Kenny thanks well done thank you there we are um, Kenny Jackett uh, very pleased after last night's game with Swindon understandably um, Trevor some people get annoyed when he always says the opposition are a good team but, but Swindon definitely are a good team aren't they 
Yeah, yeah, they were. They were probably one of the better teams I've seen this year down there. The little number 10 in the first half, we didn't get close to him. Um, and they, they were a persistent threat. I mean, they worked hard as well. And going in at 1-1, probably just about was a, a fair thing. But the second half, the O's did really step up our best 45 minutes, which, which proved that, isn't it? So, yeah, Kenny's got to be happy, hasn't he? Turns out he's a Tower Hamlets boy, actually. Jack Payne, wasn't it? The little number to five foot five, apparently. But I, I agreed with you. We just weren't getting close enough to him for, for some reason. But um, uh, Darren Prattley then, then stepped it up a bit in, in the second half and, and just crowded him. We crowded him out a bit more, I think, didn't he? And, and Swindon were, were really not in it so much after those. Well, a couple of early chances, weren't there, in the second half mm-hmm. they had. Vigarou made a great, a good save, and uh, and then they poked one wide, and after that it, it was all us. Um, Lee, that this pressing, we're we're pressing much more. Um, I, I don't know if you notice how much it comes up on the highlights in particular, but but when the opposition have the ball, the number of red shirts around them and getting around them very quickly, it's obviously something that's that, that they've been told about now. Yeah, I mean it's good to see that on the training ground. That's what they're working on, like getting back, getting around the ball, and winning it back as quick as possible. Uh, and, and like I was saying, like, what the ITV commentator never gives us a credit for is how quick we are moving the ball, how we are opening teams up with our movement on and off the ball. And uh, like I said, that comes from the training ground, and it's, it is great to see. I mean, it's you're going to score goals. You're going to score goals. If you're moving the ball that quickly, and you've got players like uh, Drynan and, and Smith, and you will score goals. That, that point you said there, Steve, of, like, twos and threes round there, you've got the two sort of... the, the, the water carriers in midfield and they're nicking the ball in the toe and it's, going, it's, it's landing up in front of Kemp and then Kemp's immediately going forward with the ball and even Kemp's doing a lot of hassling knowing that if mm. somebody gets a foot in Kemp's nicking it then he starts the, the, the move going so that, uh, that collective pressing is, is very good in the right areas and the, away, the opposition can sometimes uh, do it as well as Swindon showed with the goal they scored on the break well, it's a good goal, wasn't it? At the end of the day, if it's marginal offside, look, they've got a decision. But if we scored that goal, like our four goals were all good, you go, well done, you know. So it's, it's it's disappointing we've had a corner and they've scored, but that's football, isn't it? It happens at the highest level, and it happens on a Sunday morning. I was disappointed with the uh, the amount of hands that went up for offside, though. To be fair, I mean, just keep playing, like you know, don't, don't try and call for offside. Just keep playing. Yep, fair point. And it was a big night for Craig Clay, who got uh, a presentation for his 200th game, which was nice. Um, underrated, undervalued, Craig Clay. Unsung hero, isn't he? Since, since, uh, since he's come here, he's the unsung. I wouldn't say he's underrated, because uh, he's, just, he's just the workman-like player, isn't he? Like, like what Trev just said, like the water carrier, if you want. He just does it all. Like, I mean, he's, and like I said, he is, without doubt, an unsung hero. <sighs> Last five years, what he's done... God knows how many years since we've had someone. Steve Dawson, probably going back to Steve Dawson. I think the uh, the, the style of the two managers where he's played his best football, Edinburgh and Jacket, is, is is plainly obvious. Like all that under Ross and Joey playing it all out, this, that, and the other in the COVID period didn't do Craig Clay any favours whatsoever. But charging around, winning the ball, and also two managers whose work ethic is: if you don't work, you ain't playing in my football team. So I'm not saying he had a like he was a like a guaranteed starter under Ross, but the the style of football obviously didn't suit Craig because like we know his passing can be erratic. But under the other two managers, it most definitely has been, and he, he won Player of the Year, didn't he, when we went up? So. Mm. 
Yeah, so back in the playoff positions, and, and we needed that because we wanted to close the gap on Swindon and, and the others. The league table's spreading out just a little bit more now. Uh, Forest Green are, are running away with it again. Uh, uh, had what appeared to be a, a difficult game away to Harrogate last night, and we looked at the half-time scores, and they're 3-0 up. And uh, they end up winning 4-1 there, which means they've, uh, they've just kept ahead of us with number of goals scored. But uh, talking of uh, goals scored, look at, our, look at our record now. Starting with that Hartlepool game, the home games, ignoring the, uh, the Papa John's, 5-0, 4-1 against, uh, that was Sutton, wasn't it? 4-0, Tranmere, 4-1, Swindon. So 17 goals against two. Uh, very enjoyable. And, and you really look forward to going at the moment, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We haven't said that for a few years, have we? Because it's always. I mean, when you were playing, even in the the uh, national league seasons, they were all tight games, and a lot of teams didn't come for a game of football. You give Swindon a due; they come for a game of football. Sutton came for a game of football, and they got rightly dispatched. I think Saturday's game would be a little bit different if they don't come for a game. Yeah. What about the crowds? One quick word on that: the attendance was barely four thousand, and I think they gave out nine hundred Swindon fans. Um, we we always expect a bit of a drop in midweek, don't we? Because people are working or school kids perhaps can't come. But uh, is that a little bit disappointing last night? The weather, uh, five yeah. five o'clock. I mean, Liam came home from college and he came in like drowned rat. It was it was horrendous. So if you saw a bit of a flow, you've looked at it and we all oh, don't fancy that tonight. Season card holders, obviously most of them turn up, but like I say, work commitments. Yeah, and especially as they had a thousand nearly, it was I was very disappointed in that. Um, and they didn't make a lot of noise either, did they? Because we were that good. They certainly didn't in the second half. No. OK, well, it's nearly half-time on the Orient Hour, so let's go back a little bit further in time. Uh, not all that far, because our special guest tonight is Charlie Lee, very popular hard-grafting midfielder, who, after two seasons with us in the National League, having dropped down from League Two, he left for Yeovil, started uh, his season nearer home at Billericay Town. Earlier this week, uh, Charlie joined a Zoom call with me and first local journalist Jacob Ransom. So welcome to, to the show, Charlie Lee, recently retired. Um, we're just going to pick your brains for a little while on, on obviously, the decision to, to announce your retirement this week. Um, yeah. First and foremost, I suppose, probably a, a real tough decision to make. Yeah, obviously, you never really want, want your career to end. and uh, But unfortunately, I've been really struggling lately with my back and with, along with my family, we made the decision and uh, I think it was the right one at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I suppose there's a, a different time to, to perhaps retire that normally comes at perhaps the end of the season, but like you say, an injury probably enforced that. Yeah, obviously I could have tried to, uh, to carry on to the end of the season and maybe try and get my, my back right, but also that would have been quite unfair on the club and so... I made the decision to, to call it early and uh, hopefully that they'll, they'll, they'll build, build on from where they are. Mm -hmm. And I suppose in this first week, it's a, a bit of time to, to reflect on sort of all those moments and, and memories and, and sort of the highs and the lows, I suppose. Yeah, as, as the last couple of weeks since I made my decision, that obviously I've been thinking a lot about my career and really pleased how it went and really looking forward to whatever comes next. Mm. And like you said there, what what comes next? Have, have you sort of thought about that yet or still sort of having a little brainstorm? Yeah, at first I'm not going to put too much pressure on it. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to stay in football and I, 
I've done my I've done I'm, I've done my UEFA B and I'm looking to get my UEFA A license done as quickly as possible. But I'd love to stay in football. Hopefully, I will. If not, I'm, I'm not too scared about going into other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I suppose um, upon retiring, what do you, what do you sort of think you'll miss the most about sort of playing? Um, I think obviously you miss the Saturday match day and stuff, but. I will play sport, so I think I'll get that camaraderie that you get on a, on a weekend. I'll get that through my cricket, almost certainly. But the change from day to day, doing it for a job, I think I don't think that will ever get topped. And obviously you meet so many nice characters, great characters, and you spend a lot of time with them. And I suppose that'll be the hardest thing to get over. Charlie, where did that um, where did that injury come from? Because a, a back injury is m- not normally one that, that causes a, a, that much trouble, is it? No, so it's just it's been something that I've probably been dealing with since the start of the season. It's progressively got worse, and uh, unfortunately, it was it was recovering well most games, and then it started less rest less recovery time I was getting from the next game. And then, obviously, with the injury, I was taking quite a lot of pain relief to get myself through games, which at my age isn't probably the best idea. I do apologise, that's my son. Well, our listeners are most interested, obviously, in your Orient career, but you had, what, a dozen years before that. Um, sum up those times for us, started, I think, on, on the subs bench at Tottenham a couple of times, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing time. I loved my time at Tottenham, obviously. Started there as an eight-year-old in the academy. And didn't leave till I was 20. And being involved with the first team, especially for the last couple of years as a pro, was amazing. Getting to train and play with a lot of the probably the best players in the country at the time. It was a really strong Tottenham squad. So being on the bench was just one of those things. I was obviously gutted. Never got the chance to to get on Tottenham. But I loved it every minute. That Was that European games? or Yeah, I had a Prem as well member being on the bench and obviously travelling and squad in the Prem and obviously Europa, Europa League games especially the, the one at Braga away, being on the bench that was amazing And later on um, at what, Peterborough, Gillingham Stevenage, you must have played against the O's occasionally I assume Yeah, I've played against Orient lot, lots of times and it was always a great place to play and early on in my career I, there was a lot of times I thought that I was going to sign for him, I had times where I thought I would be and I ended up not but then uh, obviously some great times at them earlier clubs and it was nice to finally sign for it when I did and where did you enjoy most out of those those clubs I was very lucky I enjoyed all my clubs I think because I had so much success and it was my first club for away from Tottenham it was Peterborough really it was amazing and so 2017, wasn't it? You left Stevenage um, in League Two for the Overs, who were then what, under new ownership, whole new squad coming um, for the National League. How did it all come about? Obviously, Martin Ling was the, 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 the reason I, I signed for Orient. I, I, I knew him away from football. He, he, we live locally together and he lives on the road and he was the main reason I signed and he sold me the club, which he didn't really have to do that well, that hard. To, I knew how great a club it was, but he he, he was the, the main reason I signed and uh, I put all my faith in him and it turned out to be the right decision. 
and and you played, I think, the first four or five games of that National League season, and then you got a very bad injury, didn't you? How did that come about? Yeah, well, yeah, very unlucky. And I think one of the main reasons Martin wanted me to sign is just because of how my career, I've been been really good with it. No worries. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll do the question again. Um, yes, you played the uh, first four or five games, I think, and then got a very bad injury. Was that at Woking? Uh, it was actually in training. And as, as, as I say, Martin basically signed me because I'd had so much success in my career with no injuries and I'd been very reliable as a player and then when I got injured so early in the season with such a long term one I felt really guilty as if it was my fault but it was uh, just one of those freak accidents in training at the training ground and unfortunately I have a, a long spell on the sidelines. And supporters may even have forgotten, I was surprised to look it up, that, that early on in that season, we were quite high for a while. We were second and third and fourth. And then it all started to go wrong, of course, and, and Steve Davis left and just didn't came in. And how, how did you find working with Steve Davis? I, I enjoyed it. We, we was very unlucky that we didn't have much to work with in pre-season as it took a long time to obviously get players in. But with a really good start and... Uh, Unfortunately, it just it dropped off. But as I've said a lot of times, if I'd stayed injured, we'd have got promoted the first season. Yes. Well, Justin came in and, and it was a good, because it was a good finish at the end of that first season, which you um, which you came back for briefly at the end. But there was a lot of optimism, wasn't there? Do you remember going into the, the second season? Yeah, we, we knew after, especially going into and during pre-season, second season, that we were we were strong and we had the the players to to definitely challenge. It's just obviously we had a lot of people and had success before, young players. So you never really know exactly, but we were really confident going into that season that we could really have a go at the league. And you were in, I think, for the, the very last game you got on, didn't you? And, and, and the, the Braintree game that tied it all up? Yeah, obviously I, I played quite a lot of games that season and I can't remember started or not in that game. I think I might have came on actually. But uh, yeah, it was a really great season and really great. And, and Wembley too, despite a disappointing result. Did you, did you appear at Wembley before ever? Yeah, no, I'd never played this before and I'd already found out that I was leaving uh, Leighton Orient by this point. That I spoke to the manager and he told me that we weren't going to renew my contract and I was worried that I weren't going to get a chance, but I had a really good relationship with him. And he said, uh, you'll definitely be involved and you'll get your chance to play at Wembley. So I was really grateful for that. And although we didn't get the result, we had we had a brilliant day. You touched about your uh, contract. You sort of knew about it before that Wembley match. Um, obviously, I suppose, did, did you sort of see that coming or was it sort of out of the blue at the time? Well, I... I knew that the club needed to make signings. And unfortunately, I was one of four or five midfielders who were out of contract. Everyone else were in a much longer deal. So I knew that there was a chance that if he needed to bring in players, that someone would have to go. And I, as I say, I got, got on real well with everyone at the club and I sort of hoped I could stay. But I completely understood the reasons for me going. Um, at the time, I would have been one of the higher earners and freeing up money is, is, is all part of it. Mm. And obviously, like you say, a great day at Wembley for the FA Trophy final. 
that followed sort of a, a great sort of day after winning the sort of national league title. And, and I know you went on holiday and everything. It was probably a great way to end the season anyway. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing spell obviously before and after the, the playoff, before and after the winning the league, it was just an amazing time where we were just on total height as all the time. And, uh, it was just a really enjoyable time. And it was followed, of course, by the, uh, the terrible news about Justin. Can you remember where you were when you heard that? Yes, unfortunately, yeah, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday and getting the phone call from the club and then obviously knowing what what the deal was before a lot of people away from football didn't know. And that was uh, some of the hardest days I've ever had, to be honest, and... It, I'm, I realised that the group of people I was playing with, how good they were, I realised that they were special people going through that, that that time, which was really, really tough for everyone. And, uh, yeah, I can remember everything about it. And you can imagine how hard it was them coming back for pre-season in particular, I think. Yeah, obviously I was in contact with a lot of them during that time. But, Obviously, I, I believe what the, what Orient did the season after their first in League Two was, I don't think it's enough credit for how well they did that season. And uh, it was they had very tough times, but I think the club has, from when I joined, all throughout there, what they've gone through, ups and downs, I think it's in an amazing place. And it's, a lot of good people have done a lot of good things over that time, and especially when we lost, lost the match. That's always nice to hear. A couple of particular games and, or even particular goals, if you like, because you knocked a few goals in that, that uh, you'll remember particularly well. Well, the, I think the first goal under the new regime, I, I scored that. That was a great time. And just before I got injured, the, the first home game, managed, that was a great time. That was when I knew that we was at a, I was at a good club. And, and then obviously you go through the real tough times of being out for eight months I was told I was going to be out and when the, the gaffer pulled me and said that he was going to involve me in a game before the end of the season which the uh, the staff had told me that wasn't going to happen with, during my injury so to, to make my return after injury was a was a really special day for me at Orient uh, although it wasn't for most people I'll, I'll remember that day and with what seven or eight clubs in all permanently you uh, how did Orient rate as a club as much off the field as, as on the field for you compared to some of the others? Yeah, I, I don't mind me saying, but my my family, is, with me and my family, it's the favourite, my favourite club for them because they, they got to see me play a lot more there. My my kids were older and my two boys are, are just massive fans of Orient now. So it's an amazing club and I'll be uh, being... Growing up just down the road from Orient, it will be a club that I visit quite often. Good, I'm sure you'll all be welcome. Jacob, a couple more to finish off? Yeah, I suppose, uh, Charlie, you've got plenty of uh, promotions on your on your CV as well. Um, what sort of similarities did you see across them teams uh, every time you got promoted? The number one thing I always say when you're trying to get a, a team or a squad that need, wants to go for promotion is... Our, my hardest challenge all week was in training. I think me and Craig Clay in our promotion team played 
the most amount of games in centre midfield. And we used to, daily, we was up against Alex Lawless and Al Gorman in training. So we had great depth. And Alex Lawless and Dal every day made it tough. So you're, the toughest opponent I faced all week, including the game, was, was every day. I think that went throughout the whole squad. Our training, we trained how we played. And that, that happened in nearly all of my promotion squads that I've been lucky enough to be involved with. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there plenty of competition. I'm sure, like you said, you've kept in touch with the, plenty of that Orient team as well um, and probably will for, forevermore after achieving such success. Yeah, you, you're you lucky if you meet some great great people that you work with and uh, some of the best I ever worked with over 19 years was in that change room. And, uh, I spoke to them a lot over the last two weeks knowing that I'm going to retire and since I have. So a lot of them will... Uh, I'll be meeting up now. I'm a man of leisure for the next month or so. Uh, and obviously in terms of your whole career, what would you say the sort of standout moments and, and memories have been? Well, the, the, obviously the promotions is the one that you, you remember. They're just amazing times of your life. I was lucky to have five. And then the massive lows I've had were losing the manager and then less than, less than two years later, we lost the, our captain at Yeovil. So I, I went through it twice in a really short short space of time. And But I probably learned more from, from my lows than I ever did from any height. So whatever happened, when I look back at my career, the highs and lows, it was an amazing time and uh, enjoyed it a lot. Well, over 500 games, and you've got to, I think, if we count the Billericay games, we can get you over 500, can't we? And, and 50-odd goals as well. So uh, most of us would have been uh, pretty happy with that for a career. And I'm sure on behalf of all the listeners, uh, I'm sure they want to say special thanks um, for your service to our club anyway, and, and very best wishes for the future. But uh, particularly good to hear that you, you have such a high opinion of the Orient. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. For, I loved every minute of uh, playing for Orient and... Uh... I've got friends for life there and just a little mention that I'm, I'm going to the Orient game tomorrow night and it's Craig Clay's 200th game so just want to give him a shout out I'm looking forward to seeing the boys tomorrow There we are Charlie Lee apologies if uh, the quality of the recording wasn't great in places but he was talking to us on Zoom earlier this week and we left in that little reference to Craig Clay at the end who he particularly wanted to mention which was nice um, Lee memories of Charlie? Yeah, he was a he was another one, wasn't he? That same sort of saying about Clay. He's come in at that time, give his all for us. Uh, I think he went at the right time for us, I believe. But yeah, he was, I think he was, was he captain first year. He was captain, wasn't he first year? He may have been early on. It's certainly, as you yeah. say, he scored the first goal at, at home, right. which yeah. I'd, for, I'd forgotten in the national league. Um, yeah, uh, Trevor, someone who was clearly appreciated by supporters, as as with Craig Clay, just just for that effort alone. Uh, of course, yeah. I mean, he, he, he was sort of in and out with injuries as well at times, but he, he, he was just drifting. I remember him scoring a few headers just coming out of nowhere, like if they weren't picking him up. So they sort of, you think, oh, Charlie Lee's just stuck that in. And he, he, he wasn't the tallest guy in the box, was it? But no, it's nice that he's got good memories from New Orleans. But I think that's echoed by lots of footballers, isn't it? And if he's gone down there for Craig, he's obviously got a special relationship with him as well, which is nice. Yes, yeah, always good to hear. 
Well, next up, we're going to link the last two games with the next one before we talk about uh, Crawley on Saturday ourselves. Here's Dave Victor with Victor's View. Eight goals in two matches against sides that came to Brisbane Road with strong defensive records surely demonstrates the growing confidence of Kenny Jackett's squad when they need 10. Late Noint became the first side to beat Swindon on their travels, halting a record-breaking run of eight straightaway victories in the process. Tuesday night was a genuine team performance. The second half display, one of the best I've seen in so many years going to Brisbane Road. The quality of the finishing from Dryning and Smith was exceptional. The service they received was excellent. Theo Archibald definitely growing into that position at left wing back. Craig Clay fully deserved his presentation from chairman Nigel Travis marking his 200th appearance for the O's. Craig was outstanding in our promotion season. He played an important part in re-establishing the O's back in the Football League but it, for me, the quality of his performances under Kenny Jackett are at an even higher level. Kenny clearly appreciates Clay's drive, flexibility and determination to give his all for the cause. Tuesday night was a huge performance. It's a result that puts Jackett's men back in the playoff places. It's now so important that we maintain that level of focus, passion and ambition on Saturday. John Yem's Crawley come to Bray Group Stadium and will provide a very different challenge. In recent weeks, the Red Devils have enjoyed more success on the road than they have in West Sussex, picking up four points from their last two away days. The evergreen Glen Morris in goal, Crawley will relish the prospect of causing an upset. I enjoyed Saturday's comprehensive display. Scoring four past a full-strength Cramier side was just the response we needed after to those disappointing displays at Scunthorpe and Northampton. Craig was an inspiration on his return. He energised Leighton Orient's midfield. His superb tackle enabled Hector Cipriano to play that defence-splitting pass for Harry Smith to coolly set the O's on their way. Let's hope the young midfielder quickly recovers from the hamstring injury he sustained before Tuesday night's clash. Under Kenny Jackett, the O's have a good record from scoring from corners. Omar Beckles did it again to secure that all-important second. Good to see Late Noint finally score from the spot. Aaron Drynan can definitely take them from now on. Harry Smith deserved his second, completing a clever move, guaranteeing Late Noint's place in the third round for the first time since 2014. A trip to Stoke might not be the tie of our dreams, but following Tuesday night's defeat, some Swindon supporters were on their post-match podcast stating that it was the excitement of a home tie with Manchester City that contributed to a poor performance. A trip to the Potteries provides a fascinating test against championship opponents who are pushing for a return to the Premier League. For the travelling faithful, it's another ground to tick off the list. And for me, Saturday's match with Crawley, definitely the more important as we look to close on a top three place. Thank you, Dave. Yes, Crawley on Saturday, the fourth successive home game, uh, if you count the, the Papa John's tie. We don't often get that. Um, but, Lee, uh, not a great record, at least at Crawley, since we started going there, what, nine or ten years ago? Yeah, I think yeah, they've been a bogey team for, like you say, since, since they come into the league, really. But, uh, I mean, we've got, we've got to carry on the momentum that we've picked up the last two games against them Saturday. I mean, they're not in a great bit of form in itself so they Crawley so and it, I mean at John Yims I mean has he still got a job <laughs> well too many more defeats than he might not because they're uh, what they're about seven off the bottom I think um, finished level with, on points with us last season but uh, as of last night six wins and nine defeats 
Um, Trevor, I suppose our more pessimistic supporters will be thinking, oh, anti-climax, goalless draw coming up. But uh, you can't expect to keep scoring four uh, every game, I don't suppose. No, we <clears throat> probably take a sloppy 1-0 win. But um, if they come and park the bus like a lot of teams do come to Brisbane Road, I always find that we struggle... History tells us we struggle with teams that don't want to come and have a game, and you can't blame him at the moment. But the way Smith is playing, I mean, he's bordering on unplayable. So if we keep going through them channels and doing the correct things, hopefully, um, regardless what buses they park there, we um, can get the result. But they are a bit of a, a bogey side. Funny, isn't it? And it goes like that, but you know. It is, but it's all history, so let's hope uh, it doesn't have any, any material effect. Now, any uh, opposition scouts, I'm sure, coming to watch us, as, as Crawley no doubt will have done, uh, must be thinking about this smith drynan combination. 13 goals each, I think. Um, great to hear Harry in his uh, after-match interview um, following the Swindon game, bigging up uh, Aaron Drynan for his contribution. Uh, that fourth goal being an obvious example that could easily have been a Drynan goal, but pops up uh, from the keeper for Harry's head. Um, and one that's uh, one that's evolved a striking partnership, if we said. So, what about best best Orient striking combinations? Um, who can we think of? Very recently, I suppose Bonham Caroma, but Caroma was a little bit different. He was playing a bit deeper, wasn't he? Who else do you think of? Well, I mean, we always we're always going to go back to Kitchen and Mayo, aren't we? Sort yeah, of thing. I uh, those were the ones that uh, come up first. Strangely enough, I was talking about it last night, and then said like we followed that up with Moores and Jennings. So, all oh, right, yes, <laughs> yeah, Ian uh, Moores uh, and uh, and Billy Jennings, who were also that similar, weren't they? Ian Moores good in the air, and Jennings a bit nippier. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good combination. Anyone um, more recent, um, Trevor? You got um, Alexander and Still were a, yeah. a, a good foy for each other, I think, at times, um, even. Going back just after that, um, we, I thought Comfort and sort of Shinners and various sort of Comfort yeah, made goals. Yeah, was around at that time. That time, yeah. yeah I was, and then you've got also Lisby and Mooney as such in the, yeah, the, the season of um, the near miss. So we've had a few in recent times, but McLeish and Ravel. McLeish, yeah, right, yeah. Scott McLeish still gets yeah. his own song yes. in the South yeah. Stand. Yes, he enjoys. Yeah. He enjoys good old Scott. Um, and I suppose it's inevitable that uh, that one or more will get will get injured at some stage. A real satirio must be just hoping for a chance at some stage. Must he gets these sort of five and ten minutes at the end, but uh, not much more. I think that's good for him to be true for at the moment because there's no pressure on him. He's going to come into a side like I say if he comes in uh, second half or picks up for an injury. There's going to be no pressure on him. So. I think that's what uh, what he needs, what the lad needs at the moment. And uh, I've got high hopes for him coming forward. That's a good point, Lee, because you think when he come onto the scene scoring them couple at Stevenage, you know, and everybody wanted Sartorio to do this, do that. And I think Billy Herring lost some money to you, didn't he? I think he was going to score a load <laughs> of goals. But um, the pressure was on him because there was nobody else to, to score the goal. So that's a very good point that 10, 15 minutes here and just keep him away from the penalties because we don't need them. <laughs> Yeah, a bit of bad luck with his with his two penalties. But as uh, as Dave said, Aaron uh, Aaron Drynan might be, I think, grabbing the ball now for for the future penalties. Uh, the other the striker who who funny enough got on for the last few minutes last night, but it hasn't made such an impression at all. Is is Tyree Zomatoyu? I mean, uh, disappointed with him. Do we see him staying even after January? Well, that'd be obviously down to Kenny to see what he thinks because if he needs a, another spot open, somebody more experienced and. Like I say, we've been fortunate so far with no injuries, but they will come. We know that. I mean, all football teams do it. But 
Yeah, he has been a disappointment because none of us have seen him really, have we? I think he played no. the Gillingham game, was it? In the friendly, I think. It's yeah, I think it was him. Now. I think it was that Gillingham game where we scored the amazing goal with the 22-23 passes and he was the one who got on the end of it and uh, and I thought almost missed it there. Yeah, that was him actually. Uh, Beckles got the first goal and he got on the end and, and that Gillingham goal. Um, and, and I mean, very, very lively, very athletic, but uh, no, disappointing and, and hasn't got him on the goal since. So we'll, we'll see what the future holds for him. Now, not much time left. One thing we must mention this Sunday a huge game for um, the uh, youngsters in the FA Youth Cup third round away to Chelsea uh, which means it's being played at the Kings Meadow ground the old AFC Wimbledon Stadium um, it's Norbiton Station which you can get to from Waterloo it's kickoff uh, 12 noon at midday um, Lee you might remember we had um, Brian Saar on, on the programme a, a while ago the academy coach uh, just ahead of the Newport match which they, they then won 6-1 um, but a team like Chelsea, I mean, you've been in and around youth football. They they seem to have the pick of almost anybody they want at that sort of level, don't they? From all over the all over the world, almost. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, like I said, are one of them teams who's got everything. They're top under eighteen side. Uh, but like I said, like I said before, our boys have got nothing nothing to lose. <laughs> They're not expected to win. They're going to go down there and make a name for themselves. Hopefully, and if they if they get a result, good luck to them. Okay, so midday, don't forget, midday kickoff on Sunday if you can get to uh, Kings Meadow. Uh, Norbiton Station from Waterloo is a nice quick, uh, a nice quick ride. Is it on the stream, Steve? Or? I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I don't know. I don't think that's been confirmed. So they were, they were advertising the tickets. I don't know why you would uh, really need to buy tickets in advance. But uh, if you want to do that, they're certainly, um, they're certainly available as well. So do keep an eye out for that and uh, keep an eye out too for um, for any details of the, the Stoke Cup tie. Very quick bit of uh, social media we like to reflect on. The one that caught my eye, uh, a Twitter feed for, of statistics from the EFL this season, which was about the number of heading duels in League Two. Um, in third place, uh, Ollie Hawkins, 170 heading duels he's won. Then Luke Armstrong of Harrogate, who you may remember caused us a lot of problems, 197. And top with 223 successful headers, 26 more than uh, any other player, one Harry Smith. So uh, take a bow, sir. Now it's time for us to go. Thanks to Trevor and to Lee, that's Lee Boyce, and to Lee Charlie for the interview, along with Jacob Ranson. Thanks to Andy for pushing the button for Karen getting the podcast out and thanks above all to you for listening wherever you are in the world we hope to see as many of you as possible against Crawley on Saturday in the meantime and until the next time up the O's We're not a city We're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from each end Lay an Orion from each end This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 Clancy, Orion and so begun 
the old story And on it runs We're late and orient from its end Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We're late and orient from its end Late and orient from its end this is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We're not a city, we're not a town On the hour, across Brentwood and Billericay This is Phoenix FM News